I'd like to begin this podcast by recognising the traditional owners of the land in which it is recorded. I pay respect to their elders past, present and those emerging. Nature or nurture had the biggest impact on your life and no one really has an answer. So we'll just even say when we're recording, just going to edit. You know, <laughs> live edit. <laughs> Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Nature or Nurture, the podcast where I interview fascinating people on the key milestones that made them who they are today. And I'm very lucky today to be joined by comedian, broadcaster, mm-hmm. presenter, mm-hmm. author, mm-hmm. actor, philanthropist. So I'm very good. I'm like Richard Fadler. It is the wonderful Tom Bella. Welcome. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. Now, Tom Bell, I like to start the podcast by asking a question that I always think is a simple question, but it's mm-hmm. absolutely not a simple question at all. Do you think that nature or nurture has had the greatest impact on your life? It's <sighs> good audio. Thank you. Is that going to work well? Um, look, I always, I'm always curious about this question because it's not like you can run the experiment. It's not like you can have a controlled experiment yeah. where there's someone born with no genes yeah, or yeah. someone who's not nurtured it or treated it any way. Yeah, I guess my my um, my default is always we are all the products of our upbringing mm. and our environment and the things that happen to us and the material conditions that we experience as human beings. But then I also think that you know. My parents probably didn't make me gay. I'm pretty sure that was sort of locked in or yeah. coded in. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, probably, I mean, yes, the most boring answer, of course, is, is a mixture of the two. But overwhelmingly, I think people are, are mainly shaped and most human behaviour can be explained in some way yeah. by looking at the life that, that person has had and the things that happened to them and yeah. the environment in which they grew up. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's the end of the podcast. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> No, but so you grew up in Seoul. <laughs> you grew up in Warrnambool. Mm-hmm. So, growing up in a country town, yes. What were your parents like? Like a lot of people say, when they meet people's parents, they suddenly make sense. Were you were you like in a split <laughs> of your mum and your dad? I th- I think so. Yes. The older I get, the more I'm like, oh, there's mum coming through. Yeah, that's dad ringing loud and clear. <laughs> Let's go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> um. They are wonderful parents, extremely dedicated parents, very loving, you know. Is their marriage the greatest success story in the world? No. Um, but not in a that's not in a you know, any kind of trauma way or anything. I don't wanna yeah. don't play a violin or anything, but it's just sort of my dad is sort of I don't know, I know that he had a difficult relationship with his dad, who was a veteran, yep. of course, of World War Two and was wasn't good with the old emotions and my grand just passed away recently, but like his um, wife, my dad's mum, and yes, even in the funeral, we're telling stories about the way that my grandpa would treat her to the point where he would go on trips overseas for months, right, and not and send like one letter home during that period. Wow, very wild stuff. Just a very different time. Anyway, I'm um, curious about learning stories about your grandparents and grandma when you were little. Yeah, I, I guess so. I guess, yeah, I don't know. No one ever sits you down and sort of no. lays out the deal. <laughs> yeah. And I remember my whole childhood was like trying to remember who was related to who and whose kids were who and do we yeah. like them or no? Or are <laughs> yeah. you, we passive-aggressive to these people? Do we love them? <laughs> Is <laughs> love too strong? <laughs> Mom, who do we love again? Um yeah, no one sits you down and sort of explains like, oh, these these are your grandparents, yeah. and this is this is why, and this is my fucked up relationship. This is with why them. they are like, the way they are. Yes, yeah. yes. I don't know what age you have that talk. I feel like there are so many more talks that you need to give kids, not Absolutely. just sex one, but yeah. like about about inflation and yeah. stuff. Yeah, Vietnam. Yeah, talk about the war. <laughs> you weren't there. <laughs> my but, dad didn't go to Vietnam because he was flat footed, and I don't know if that's bullshit. And he tried to get out of it, but really, um, yeah, wow, he got out of the draft. <laughs> So, for you growing up, did you have a big family? Like, what was your family like? Um, not massive. My mom, my dad has two sisters. My mum has two brothers. Yeah. My dad is the uh, youngest. No, he, no, he's the middle child, mm. and mum is the youngest. Um, and mum, mum's brother Rob has six kids. Okay. So that's that was the biggest. That was certainly the biggest. Her other brother Tim had. Two daughters with his first wife, and then two sons with his second. 
And were then, you close with the, the cousins? I was close on my yeah yeah on both sides really. Um, on my my dad's side, um, uh, particularly Lucy, who's the same age as me, Lucy and Anna. Um, she was the first person I came out to, and yes, we kind of they lived in Melbourne, we lived in Waterville, we all kind of grew up together, of course. Why was she the person that you came out to? Um, we were just very close. That was in year ten. Yep. We'd really connected over music. We were going through angsty, teenagey stuff. Yeah, sure. I Green thought- Day. <laughs> Missy Higgins. Missy Higgins and Green Day. <laughs> the big two. The big two. <laughs> the special two. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Great plug for that. It's a wonderful <laughs> That was the first concert I ever did. Did I ever say that? No, really? Missy Higgins at the Palais. Like, the, like I bought it with my own money and yeah. went there and had emotions. Yeah. That was at the Palais and we drove from Warrnambool up and back in one night, I think. Wow. Great show, I imagine. Incredible. I, um, the other day, so you just met my dog, um, Missy Diggins. Mm-hmm. I was walking uh, the other day and uh, ran into someone and they're like, oh my God, what's your dog's name? And like, I was like, oh, it's Missy Diggins. Mm. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to say the real dog's you name. You should it's tell the truth. Yeah. And I was wearing a Missy Diggins, um, sorry, a Missy Higgins um, <laughs> jumper. Mm-hmm. And then I took that off going, oh shit, before they notice it. Like, Look, I'm a bit obsessed. I took it off and I was wearing a Missy Higgins merch oh. um, top. And look, they said to me, um, oh, you're a fan of Missy Higgins. And I thought it would be funny to go, no, I don't no. know what you're talking about. And then they just walked away like I was an insane person. And that was the, which is not untrue. And that was the end of the whole conversation. So me and Missy Higgins doing pretty well. Pretty, yeah. pretty well. <laughs> so you were, you were always interested in music then. So you're traveling up, like, you know, have you always been a, a musical person? Yeah, I think, I mean, yes, I played piano. My brother played piano. Um, we were learning, learning instruments ourselves and then also. My music interests were all via my brother, so my yeah. brother started getting into all the stuff, and I was listening to that. And then, yeah, you know, the classic teenage adolescence kicks in. Yeah, you start having hormones and feelings, and then you discover Sufjan Stevens, and your mind is blown. And, yeah, oh yeah. my god, I, I'm the only person who's ever reacted to art in this way. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was I went pretty deep. Would love buying CDs and going to CD yeah. stores. And yes, when you came out to your cousin, what what was her reaction? She was great. I think she she suspected. I didn't have a girlfriend at all throughout high school. Yeah. <clears throat> Never talked about girls or anything. I was in an um, uh, anti-homophobia group uh, called Youth United Making Changes Against Homophobic Attitudes. Right. Yamcha. It was like a really tortured name to get to that acronym, yeah. I guess. It was very... <laughs> Odd choice. But I was in that they group. They chose the acronym first. And, I, and worked work backwards? That's fun. I like that. We Dedication. didn't even have Yumcha at the meetings, really. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck was going on there. Anyway, um, and I joined that group before I came out. So I think my parents had to do a lot of pretending. And yeah, sure. Yeah. The were, they, were they like completely, uh, like, did they support you 100% from that moment? Yes. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, yes. And the story I tell is I came out and mum went back to her bedroom and came back with a book that she'd bought called My Child is Gay, yep. which is an incredible title. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, okay, you've, you've invested yeah. around this idea. <laughs> yeah. What, what did yeah. you want to do when you were, like, what was, it, what was a little Tom Ballard like at school? Were you, were you into anything in particular, music? What, what were you into? Yeah, I got obsessed with theatre. I did a musical theatre <coughs> show with primary performance when I was eight years old. Yeah. A production of Rock and Roll Santa. Yep. Where I played the role of Blitzen. And I just... People still talk about it. Well, it was a pretty big deal. Mm. I talk about it all the time. <laughs> I just, I don't know, being on stage, it was a funny role. I got some laughs and stuff and just that buzz and that, that, that yeah. vibe of just getting attention in a positive way. I don't think... I wasn't like, you know, people say, oh... Comedians of the class clowns or whatever, but I wasn't doing that in. I, I my way to get attention in school was to work hard and get good results, I guess, and yeah, win the p- public speaking competition or whatever. Yeah, class than, clowns were usually the most annoying person. This really. is it. I think yeah. very few class clowns actually turned out to be yeah comedians, but I don't know. Um, this is my opinion. It's me. Could prove me wrong. <laughs> I mean, there are some people. There are plenty of people who had a tough time in school who become comedians. Sure, that's for sure. Yeah, and so did you have a tough time in school? Not academically, ninety nine point eight zero. But um, uh, uh, emotionally, I was not very good at sport. Was didn't want to do PE. Yeah. Um, didn't like being chubby, and then by the time yeah, I'm in year nine, ten, going oh fuck, I'm gay. Oh no, that doesn't seem popular around here. What were you? That's not going to improve my social <laughs> score. It's what it. were your friends like? They were really nice. Yeah. Yeah, good friends. Were they were they in the same things that you were into? Green Day, Miss Egan? <laughs> no, we were all pretty different. I mean, that was what was so nice about them is that I think they just kind of accepted me for who I was. They're like, Tom doesn't like football. He's yeah. he does all that creative stuff, and yep. that's fine. 
there was a big controversy. I remember going from year two into year three. At the end of year two, I started hanging out with these this certain group of boys. The terrible. Who twos. were quite cool. Yeah. And then at the end of every year, you could like list the kind of the names of people that you would like to be in a class with next year. So I abandoned my original friends uh, and put down the names of these cooler dudes. Then went into year three and had just a hellish year of being bullied and ostracized yep. and. Um, yeah, was very annoying, and then returned to the fold in year four and got back with the the decent dudes who were then you know friends for the rest of um, primary they, school. They took you school. back right away. Yeah, they were very they're very nice. Yeah, and boys aren't that fickle, which is quite yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, so you leave school. What was your plan? Were you going? I mean, I mean, I know you got into university. I know that you're going. Were you going to do law, or you you did start doing law? I did six weeks of law. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I that was a plan. I took it. Well, no, not really. I, yes, I, so I was obsessed with theatre. I did a bit of stand-up in high school through the Class Clowns competition. Yep. And did raw comedy and stuff, and that was all good, but I was still like, well, I'm still going to be the greatest actor of my generation. This yep. is fun in the meantime. Yeah. And so I had an audition for the acting schools, didn't get into any of them. Yep. Took a year off. I'd gotten Triple J through raw comedy, <clears throat> so I started doing that. That was, like, quite cool, and that seemed like it was going somewhere. And then in 2009, I started uni for six, six weeks. And then I did the comedy festivals and the Triple J thing was happening. I was like, I can't do yeah. all these things. And also I don't want to do law. It's so <laughs> too much hard, like hard work. You were also the youngest person to win the Best Newcomer Award. Yes. At the time. So what 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 year was that then? That was quite, if you were 2009. That was 2009, yes. And so you were studying at the same time? Um, yes. I think the, yes, the uni, I forget when I dropped out. I must have dropped out after the festival because that festival, yeah. I won the thing and got, got management stuff so it was all sort of happening and i was like yeah i can't do all this and yeah. the uni didn't care at all i called them being like i'm gonna be a comedian they're like cool click Good luck. yeah did you feel like you had to continue with study yeah well my mum was a careers teacher so she was very much like have a backup option you know yeah. and they're just it's all just them being worried for you they want you to be happy yeah and they might not understand all the things you want to do but just as long as you're okay and can pay the rent and i think yeah. at this point they're like okay it seems like you can actually make a living being a comedian yeah and also they love your mum's a teacher and i think they enjoyed <clears throat> their time at university and i do feel like i missed out a little bit and would like to do tertiary study at some point I think right that would be cool what would you want to go and do well, I would love to do like there's a like, there's like a writing course at NIDA, like a playwriting screenwriting thing. I think right. that would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah, something creative like that. And I mean, going to NIDA was like such a big thing in my head. I was like yep. that was so this is huge. A dream. So if I could actually study there, yeah, doing something else. Yeah. I don't want to be an actor, it'll be a fucking tree all day or whatever. Or just walking. <laughs> all the auditions they just make you walk around yeah. the space. Yeah. Like, Get your steps up though. It's <laughs> pretty good if you have a smartwatch. Pretty good. <laughs> so was it was it a shock to anyone when you started doing stand up? I don't think so. Well, I think I was fourteen, so at that point I've done lots of amateur musical theatre. I'm regularly telling everyone I want to be an actor, I want to be an yep. actor, I want to be an actor. I'm doing public speaking competitions, debating, and um, and all that kind of nonsense. And so it kind of made sense. Yes, it was just a new way to get attention. Yeah. And all that experience, I think, just gave me a level of confidence on stage where you yep. know the, the writing was horrific, and I would hate to look back at any of these jokes but at least you know a big part of class clowns is just going on stage and not shitting your pants yeah did you have inspirations in comedy for the reason that you wanted to actually do it sam peterson was big yeah he was like really loom large yeah he had a month where he's huge <laughs> really trailed off <laughs> um i'm trying to think i mean i did love jerry seinfeld and i was mm. obsessed with that i bought a um blazer <clears throat> one of my class clowns finals with it with a t-shirt underneath yeah which i guess was some kind of attempt to recreate um the 90s american seinfeld brick, yep. brick wall spotlight did you ask vibe. for a brick wall behind you you had a rider <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just for you <laughs> i used to tape the oxfam gala <clears throat> from festival on vhs and watch it over and over and over and over who were your favorites um i remember who do i remember in that time i remember uh, I remember Husey, I remember Fiona at Lachlan, I remember um, all the... I remember Lena Woodley, of course. Lots of, there were also, like, weirder international ones that would come through. Mm. The Tokyo Shock Boys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, who else? Yeah, I mean, some of those sets. And 
Kitson, I think, I remember seeing Kitson early on and not thinking he was very good because his gala spots, he kind of fuck around so yeah. much. And th- I'm watching them back now, I'm like, this is so good. Um, yeah, but I would just watch them so many times. Yeah. Carl Barron, of course. Yeah, yep. just that world. And yeah, seemed very magical. And then when, because I, and then I did Class Clowns. First I made Class Clowns, I ended up at the final and like Ross Noble was hosting it and Adam Richard was a judge and Cal Wilson was there. And it's just like it, the, like all the people from the TV were just like around me and I yeah. was doing something on the same stage as them. That was that was quite a thrill. Were you, were you a fan of it, do you think? Was it hard to kind of <laughs> be in that world all of a sudden? Like were you still a fan of all these people? I loved it. I mean, I think, yeah, I always... Maybe that feeds into a small sense of sometimes of imposter syndrome or mm. it's just like, yeah, it's... I mean, it is, you know, it is so bizarre that Will Anderson is, like, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, we've done the same gigs together and we're sort of... I'm not saying we're on the same level or anything like that. I'm just saying that, you know, Will is... you're of that ilk. Well, we're different generations, I think. And Will is so extraordinarily supportive and nice. But it's just sort of the fact that we move in the same worlds in any way... Yeah. ...is quite bizarre. Tripod were massive for me. And, you know, Scott from Tripod directed one of my shows a few years ago. And, again, it's sort of a friend. It's just like, this is... Yeah. This is insane. Tripod, Tosswinkle the Pirate, um, which my friend Michael Williams gave to me on VHS. Have you ever seen that show? No. Fuck. It's perfect. It's on YouTube. Right. Watch it. Tripod Tell, The Adventures of Tosswinkle the Pirate, Not Very Well, directed by Alan Bro. It was filmed at Chapel of Chapel. And it is... That show was just like it just blew my mind. It yeah. showed you could do anything. You could do a whole hour. You could tell stories. The actual songs were beautiful and funny, and then also all the interaction stuff. Yeah, I, I love that stuff so much. Yeah, and uh, and the fact that I sometimes get to hang out with Tripod is still. Yeah, do you call them Tripod? I do. Yeah, <laughs> no <laughs> names. Tripod one. <laughs> when one, two, you three. when did you start to feel comfortable on stage? How long did it take for you to kind of find who you were? As a performer, a lot of people talk about their their voice. The voice. How long did it take you? Well, it's an ongoing search, Sam. <laughs> We're all searching. You never really voice. find it. It's um, it's funny because when I started doing stand up, it was just jokes. It was they were they were very they were often quite um, bizarre or obscure. Right. Okay. I had a joke about pigs looking up or about the you know the fun size Mars bar and the size of my penis, but they're all just disconnected jokes that were yep. just sort of like funny little weird things, and then. Leading up to that first hour show, I started to make the decision, well, like, well, I can talk about being gay and sort of be do story, personal storytelling kind of stuff. Yeah. And to the point where I was coming out to some of my comedian friends on stage by doing material for the first time. I hadn't sort of mentioned the fact that I I, uh, I suck cock until I was doing jokes about it. Um, but, yes, that sort of storytelling to try and get into who I was and tell more stories, that sort of happened around 2009. Yeah. Is that, is that an integral part of your voice, you think, talking about your sexuality? Like, is that is that something... Because it's not always something, I think, that... Because you're really political, like, you're a really smart comedian, you're really, you know, engaged politically. It's not something that people, I think, associate with you. Like, it's just it's just another fact of you. Has that ever been part of your voice? Oh, well, yeah, but certainly at the start. Yeah, yes. right, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was... That year and that time in my life, it was the biggest thing in my life. Yeah, so it made sure. sense to do it. And I... You know, there'd been plenty of people did coming out shows at, before that, but it was certainly like the the pitch of the show was, um, I'm gay, but I'm not a, a particularly camp. I'm not a stereotypical gay man, so I feel a little bit out of place in the gay world as well as in the straight world. Yep. Um, that was the general vibe. And then I kept, yes, in the shows after that, I kept writing, tried to write personal storytelling stuff and pulling bits out of my life. And then I just ran out of life because I was quite young. And so yeah. my shows sort of caught up to where I was at. And so that's – and I was getting a bit more politically aware and a bit more conscious. And then so that's when I kind of started looking out a little bit and wanted to talk about that a bit more. Yeah. When did you start being interested in politics? Were you always interested or was it was it working at Triple J? What, what, what started getting you in that? Yeah, I think I was – I mean, my, again, my parents are pretty uh, – were progressive. They were members of Amnesty International – they used to vote Labor, then they voted Greens after the Tampa incident in 2001. They're big on human rights, public school teachers, union members. So they sort of just by osmosis, we kind of were a bit aware of the news yep. and that the Conservatives were bad. And then being gay makes you get a little bit political too, particularly with the gay marriage conversation going yep. on. 
Um, and then, yes, and so I guess and comedians, you know, like um, Rod Quantock was big too. I remember, like, yeah, seeing Rod Quantock on, on TV on Good News Week and stuff. Yep. And, yeah, Good News Week was probably really big too. You could do jokes about the news and sort of say something about the world. Mm. But then, yeah, sort of 2015, 16 is when I really started leaning in a lot more into that and realizing that was sort of more the path I wanted to go down. Yeah. What were your, what, what did your parents think of your comedy? Like when they first came <laughs> to start seeing you, like, did they, did they love it right away or was it, were they kind of skeptical, like you said, about the backup plan in law and everything as well? Um, I don't think, I think, yeah, relatively quickly. I mean, you know, I did that solo show and then I did, we got the weekend breakfast, the, the weekday breakfast show on Triple yeah. So that's like a full-time gig at the ABC. They can understand like that's a job. Yeah. That's a good job. That That's fine. So I think they've always been happy for me and like, you know, haven't been too worried about me being able to make a living. I think all that dissipated away pretty quickly. But whether they connect with, appreciate are not ashamed of <laughs> or just it would be embarrassing i understand if you you don't want to go see your kid talk about sucking dick yeah 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 fucked in the ass and doing drugs and swearing all the time and this is the thing everything i do mum's always like oh the swearing tom swearing and i'm like it's we've come this far mum. Yeah. it's not going anywhere I'm well you got that on a bigger scale when you started doing tonightly as well i remember you know you copying that that you know that your style was like that you you swore but it was like but you that's your comedy like, a, was that a hard thing to to deal with publicly? Yeah, that was a bit annoying. Like, obviously, you don't want to. I, I know, I know when I do it. I know when other people do it. When the swearing is covering up bad writing, or it's a bit of a get out jail clause, that's fine. Yeah, but it's also you know, I mean, Will Will talks about it too. It's just how I talk, and yeah. you're trying to sound as much as you do off stage, on stage, you're trying yeah. to be natural. What I don't think I appreciate it is you can't totally do that on television night after night. Sure. I mean, Andrew Denton sort of said like one swear word is on TV is like six on stage. Right. So if you say, yeah, fuck four or five times during the course of a half hour, yep. it does hit a little bit differently. So I think, and I was very defensive about that. I was like, nah, fuck you, man. Fuck the establishment or whatever. Um, do you have that with yes. authority sometimes? If someone tells you you can't do something, you're kind of like, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think as you get older, you sort of say, like, there's so much bullshit and so many people pretend they know what they're talking about. Yeah. And probably everything great at some point, someone said that's bad and you shouldn't do that. And this is, and often it was great because it was completely different to what everyone else did. Now, sometimes, so some things are just bad and, and people in power are correct or people mm. have been around a bit longer than you are, do know more than you do. So sure. sometimes you should listen to them. But yeah, I think, I think. Sometimes, particularly the ABC at that time, there was just a lot of risk aversion and everyone just wanted to do things safely and stuff. And yeah. I just was like, yeah, sometimes you've just got to say, no, we're going we're gonna to push this button a little bit. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Now, the trick is doing that and also not caring what other people think. And so if you do that, you've got to accept the fact that some people are going to hate you. And that's I wasn't always great at that, you know. <laughs> do, do you think you're a people pleaser? Hmm. I, I don't know. I like I, I like people to like me. Yes, yeah. I have a problem with people not liking me generally in 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 real life. Yeah, sure. I've sort of accepted the fact that there are lots of people who don't like my comedy, and and people can tweet mean things to me now. It doesn't doesn't matter so much. Did that take a while to accept? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, because at Triple J, when Alex and I started, it was pretty brutal because we All people right. didn't really know who we were. Replacing Robbie Reek and the Doctor. Um, uh, yeah, if they didn't listen to Weekend Breakfast, you wouldn't have liked us. We were a little bit weird and different, and we were not very good for quite a while, right? It, did take, it does take a long time to figure out that show and what the hell we were doing. Yeah. And, of course, at Triple J, you have this text line where you can just read for yourself exactly what the people want sure. to let you knew. Um, How'd you deal with that? Um, it was sort of just a time thing. I mean, um, yeah, we laughed at it every now and again. We, there was this one text that came in that said what is it it says shut up no talk more music worst on radio <laughs> and we wrote that down and put it on our desk and be like that's just a reminder to keep us humble or whatever but just so like funny. that is something that this is that is just funny and the amount of anger that people have 
yeah. for for any kind of silliness on the radio. When um quite recently, my other podcast is all about online confessions, and when I there's a guy that kept just writing the meanest things to me. Like he would always just I, I think it was like once a week. He decided, yeah. I just decided to block him because he just kept going, "Just get to the confessions, idiot!" Like he just kept writing that, "Just get to them." I was like, "Is that what you want me to do? You want me to just read them, not react to them, no. and then move on to the next one?" And that's exactly what he wanted me to do. Some people just I, I find it so weird that people actually write in and I know and I have can an be issue with something. Doing anything. I've never yeah. tweeted anything. No. To, but then you're like, well, we also ask people. Like, you can't do both, right? You can't say, tell us what you think and get in touch and tweet us and follow yeah. me. You can't be like, follow me on Twitter, but only send me love and good vibes. It's like, yeah. well, that's just not how things work. And the best solution for any of that stuff is if someone tweets something at me, just click on their profile and have a look yeah. at their profile and go, okay, that's yeah. it's them working through their stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I get to be a professional comedian and yeah. live a fun life with a lot of fun. So everything's, it's all, that's the cost of doing business. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you started really young. You started doing comedy really young. How have you kept that love for it? Or have there been certain times where you've just been like, I don't want to be a stand-up comedian. I don't want to do this. Are there, are there times when you kind of go through hating it? Yeah, there are big phases, I think. Yes, I think, yeah, people fall in and out of love for it. And yeah. Of course, no one's ever happy when you're doing stand-up. You think, God, I just need to get another media long-term job to get out of it, right? And then you do that job and you think, fuck this, i got to get back to stand-up. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's uh, the ever-elusive happiness. But ultimately, I can see myself doing stand-up for the rest of my life, I think. Yeah. Or some, some kind of, have some kind of relationship to it. Yeah. Um, or live performing, yeah. Um, I would love, yeah. Some I've, at the moment, I feel more of a need to write something bigger or have something that's a bit more permanent. Um, you know, working on a scripted show or writing a play or something that would be kind of satisfying. Yeah. Um, and just sort of, yeah. Because I also think with my stand up, you know, I like my stand up. I love doing it. I don't think it's ever gonna sort of breakthrough or I don't have enough stuff to um, blow people's minds with my stand-up, I suppose, or I just I just think I need to offer something a little bit different as well. So does that make sense? That doesn't really make sense. But um, I don't know. I just I, I would like to find my way into different ways of creativity yeah. where I can bring all my f- the, the, the funniness stuff and just apply it in different ways. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Might be surprising. So like moving into theater, for example, like I would love to write a play <clears throat> and, um, and sort of play in that area. Yeah. Like bring the comedy skills to, to that other thing that I, I enjoy. Have you started doing that? Have you... I wrote a play in 2019 for um, comedy festival called Quanda, which was like a satire and A. Q and A. Yes, that was super fun. I loved yeah. loved doing that, and it was a very funny show. Thank you, Emily much. Tahini. Emily Tahini was so good. Yeah, yes. So and that kind of getting laughs out of character and dialogue and being the puppet master of all that that was super fun. So yeah, I'd love to do, yeah, more of that. And you're doing a stand up show at the same time, weren't you? I was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you find that hard, or is, is stand up kind of comes easier to you than something like that? That was uh, that was hard just because it was a lot of yelling across both shows. Yeah. Too much, some might argue. Um, and by that point, the stand-up show was sort of taking care of itself. And then, yeah, the, the play was just on weekends. But um, yeah. I love that. I'm doing it again this year. I'm doing a stand-up show. Then I'm also doing another sort of comedy lecture about the uh, Australia's referendum process. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> you can't help yourself. Funny, funny <laughs> stuff. I've got standard questions I ask on this podcast. So mm-hmm. the first question is, what trait in people do you admire the most? What kinds of people are you drawn to? Mm. Um, I love people who aren't stressed, who can sort of, who, who, who aren't stressed, yes, who are able yep. to put everything in perspective and are pretty chill. Yeah. I like a general chill vibe. Yeah, sure. Um, nothing 
is more annoying. And this maybe is a reaction to my parents, I think. My parents are extremely punctual. They are organised. Yep. They need to know what's happening. Yep. We'll be driving somewhere and the discussion will be how are we getting home? What is happening next week? Yep. They put it in the chart in the Excel spreadsheet. We used to have family meetings. Okay. Oh, wow. This, here's some okay. n- nature nurture shit. <laughs> yeah. Family meetings where there are agenda items and we Who's writing discuss the minutes? Dad's, I think, operating on the uh, yes, on, wow. the, on, the, on the notes and like ticking things off and stuff. And the more I think about it, the more insane that is. That's so funny. Family meeting, and you could raise any concerns. Yes, you could raise it. You move motions. <laughs> <laughs> I think I put dog on there a bunch of times, and then, and it was such an exposure of how fucked democracy is or whatever. Because I was like, let's, let's talk about having a dog. It's like, mum and dad, like, we're not having a dog. It's like, oh, okay. I said, I thought we were sort of gonna work throughout. <laughs> Fuck, I might do more material about this. I talked about that in a show years ago, and I don't think I got across how weird it was to be. Yeah. I don't quite understand. But. It's so funny. So what, once a week you would all sit down? I think it was once a week, week. You could nominate agenda items. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, that was how Ballard Industries... <laughs> a friend of mine was telling me business. that in their family, like they were saying, oh, so they were just saying it like it's a completely normal thing. They're like... Oh, so you know when you sit down with your family at the end of the week and um, and do peak of the week? And I was like, what is peak of the week? They all sit down and they talk about their peak of the week. Peak? Like their peak oh, of the week. Like what the, was the highest part of the highest? week? When, when oh did you feel gosh. your peak of the week was? And it'd just be like, had a really good spaghetti bolognese. That was peak of the week. And I was like, no, I, no one does that. That's a that's an odd thing to... <laughs> that's really nice, Trying though. to make your family... Oh, it's great, isn't it? It's great. Better than, you know, having a low of the week. What was everyone's low? What was an issue that everyone had? <laughs> Let's go through the rock bottom, everyone. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, so, it's, so it's, I think it's an annoying trait when people are excessively stressed yep. or when... To the point of rudeness or, or or to the point of, you know, no perspective and yep. no understanding, no ability to sort of say, this small this thing that is annoying you is yep. probably not that important in the scheme of things. Sure, yep. And... Either way, it will you know we'll figure it out. Either way, yeah. It's are like, you are you pretty like that? Do you think are you? Well, I I think I try to be like that. Yeah, I think I be uh, perhaps because I I find it 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 really wears you down. There are some uh, you know some people whose whole thing is just complaining about everything. I think yeah. that's, I think that's also maybe a little thing from my parents where they just sort of it's just a critique of everything or the yeah. way they relate to something is talk about how it's not that good or that they're, they're not always comfortable in just saying that something was really good. So I like to, yeah, so positivity and chillness yeah. I think are nice. Do you, are you pretty good with a diary? Like are you good at just getting the work done or is it like your parents like writing lists and everything? Oh, like I, did, I have a to-do list yeah, and I've still got all that. Yeah, so if I haven't been productive enough, I get stressed and guilty about that. Yeah. Um, and and uh, yes, and if I have too many things on my to-do list, I will often sort of crash and freak out. So I yep. try and work on just... Breathing out more and just being like, this is not... Everything will really be fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, try to remind yourself of that. Yeah, that's great. If you could choose to be born into the perfect environment, what do you think that would look like? (laughs) Well, it's sort of... I've tried to write this out about this about parenting. It's like, you know, whatever is great, well, you'll find some new way to fuck up. Absolutely. Child, that's that's for sure. I think a sense of yearning and a sense that things aren't... uh, Something's wrong with you is probably baked into the human ex- experience. Mm-hmm. But um, again, looking back with the benefit of hindsight and being a bit older, you know, I would, I don't know. Do we have, did I have the perfect childhood? Or did, uh, but, but, but I didn't want for anything really. If I really think about it, yeah. my biggest challenges were surmountable. And at no point, even in those darker moments of like, yeah, did I ever think that I was going to be tossed out of home? I knew my parents would love me and support yep. me, and they made that very clear. Yeah. That's probably, I think it's probably the best you can. Yeah, absolutely. For. Yeah. What's your favourite thing about yourself? Oh, People always find this question the hardest I question know. to answer. And I, I, I guess people always feel like it's big noting yourself. But I always think we have the big problem where, especially in Australia, I find that Anytime you know anyone has any success, it's a talk. You know, yeah. The the poppy syndrome. It's just like everyone shuts people down, and and people kind of feel a little bit scared about saying that they're good at something. Yeah. Do you do you have a favorite thing about yourself? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, yeah. Last year during the lockdown, second lockdown, <clears throat> you know, I went to some pretty dark uh, mental health places, mm. and come and that, that was I was writing this book too, and it was sort of 
the whole book was overwhelming me and then it was bringing up all these issues about perfectionism and this, this these standards I have for myself and my yep. sense of mediocrity and wanting to be better and then, yeah, wanting to please other people and also myself and um, and all this kind of stuff. And, and anyway, I only say that to be to point out that the work was very much around loving yourself, celebrating things about you. It's okay yeah. to actually be proud of yourself and like things about yourself. That's, yeah. that's quite okay. <laughs> that's not ego or indulgence. That's just, just being comfortable with who you are. So yeah. I think that's very important. Um, I like, I'd like to, I like that. I lo- I try to see good in people. Yeah. I think I try, I think I've been pretty good at like receiving people as they are. I yeah. Hope. I hope that's so. Great. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think so, absolutely. Yeah. I yeah, I try to I don't know. I think I'm decent at like if I'm talking to someone and I'm having a hard time or like they're doing something that's a bit annoying, I'm pretty good at just stopping myself a little bit and going, Okay, just think of this from their point of view, or this is them trying to be funny, or this is them trying to connect, or this is them trying to do something. So I hope at least that I give folk, folks the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh what's something about yourself you'd change? Um, I would like I would like to just be a bit more disciplined in terms of I don't know I'm quite good at giving myself a get out of jail free card or give myself an excuse for doing something and that's not you know that's not beating myself up about something it's just like um, if I set out to do something like eat better or yep. exercise more or not take my laptop into the bed yeah I would like to just be able to Stick stick to that for yeah, a long sure. period of time. Yep. Um, who influenced you the most? <sighs> In life, mm. um, that's very hard to say. But pro- yeah, probably my mum. Yep. I think so. My mum is just a very very nice person <laughs> who has just always been yes very kind. Mm. And I guess, yes, I think, I often think, you know, what would mum think of that or what would mum do or, yeah. I guess maybe we put our parents in, like, the God position sometimes and be yeah. like, well, would, mum's watching. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Your mum's yeah. a good answer. Yeah, what about you? Have you answered any of these? No, no, okay. no, I will not. I simply will not. No, um, no I, I, would, I would probably say my mum had the greatest influence on me as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I think she's, yeah, she's just, and when people meet her, they say that I make a lot more sense. So it's all that thing of going, oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, when are you at your happiest? Um, I remember this thing from Daniel Kitson show years ago, which is the secret to happiness is doing something you love and have something good coming up. So you're both, you're both happy in the moment and you have this thing to look forward to. Yep. And so whenever those things kind of work out, if I'm, I don't know, having a really good comedy show and I know that I'm going to see a friend afterwards and have drinks and have a fun night, that's probably like, that's as probably as good as things get. Yeah, yeah. If I'm at the beach and I know that we're going to have a really big lunch, you know what I mean? Like yeah, those just yeah. moments of like, this is good now. Yeah. And in an hour, we're going to do another good thing. That's all you want. The best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of living in the moment and then also living a little bit in the future, which I think is, that probably... Nails the human condition. Yes. Yeah, that comes from your planning in the car and everything with your parents as well. <laughs> yes, knowing that there's a plan to happiness. Yeah. Activating happiness now yeah. and extending happiness yeah. towards the future. Do I ever tell you my um, my Daniel Kitson story where yes. I um, was in Adelaide Fringe and I was doing a show and it was at the Rhino Room mm-hmm. and Daniel Kitson was in the same room, but I didn't know Daniel Kitson. I didn't know who he was. I knew the name, but I didn't know who he was. And I was chatting to him in the dressing room and I was talking to him about his show and everything, and he said, I was like, how's your show doing? He goes, it's doing really well and everything. I was like, oh, great, oh, great. And it, I said, do you want me to come one night? Because we got along so well. I was like, do you want me to come one night? And he goes, oh, sure, yeah, any night. And I was like, oh, what, what night do you need me to come? Because, you know, they're quiet nights. <laughs> and um, and he goes, oh, I mean, you know, any, do you want to come tonight? And I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, great. And he goes... Um, he goes, oh, it's sold out. I was like, oh, that's amazing. Congratulations. That's oh. huge. You know, Adelaide Fringe. Like, you know, it's amazing that you sold out. And he goes, I was like, how, how many shows have you sold out? Is there a night then? He goes, no, I've sold out every night. <laughs> I was like, every night? I was like, it must be the smallest venue in the world. And then I, he goes, do you want to come with me now? So I walked with him yes. to the venue. Uh-huh. He walked in with me. Yes. 
uh, sat me down in a seat, a, ve- a reserve seat. I watched the best two hours of stand-up <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. And then he said, I'll come to your show now. Oh, no. And I was doing a show with someone that was so drunk that they couldn't remember their lines. It was a play. Ugh. They couldn't remember their lines. They were, And I looked at his face the entire time. No. Like, I just looked at him in the front not laughing. <laughs> and we hung out after it and we both did not speak about the show. Oh, no. And then I saw him... I was doing stand-up in Melbourne and he walked by and everyone was like, oh, my God, that's Daniel Kitson. Yes. And I was just like, oh, fuck. And then he came up and gave me the biggest hug and I'd never been cooler in front of comedians. Of course. Like, it was, like, the coolest thing. But, like, yeah, I'll always remember that he was in that front row going, this is awful. Awful. (laughs) I've never seen him again. (laughs) (laughs) When are you at your lowest? Um. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I have these sort of. Yeah, if I'm creatively, it is. It is sort of sad and annoying how much my happiness and mental wealth is tied up in in work, like in creative. Like if I don't feel funny, or if I've had a couple of bad gigs in a row, or whatever. Yeah, I, I hit these sort of lows. Um. Uh. And 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 yes, this this overwhelming feeling of mediocrity and everything I've ever done. Yeah. It's it's the feeling that. What I've done creatively is bad, and that I was an idiot to think that it was good. Like, if I can't think that it's good now, looking back at it, then like I can't. I have no radar of what is and isn't good, and I was such an idiot for thinking that was good at the time. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's that often bums me out. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I don't know how to fix that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, then, yes, if you listen, I don't know. If you then can access something or a memory or if you have evidence if like literally i'll listen back to a recording of a gig that went well i'm like no i can be funny yeah and it's actually fine yeah and what kinds of people do you choose to surround yourself with and has that changed over time hmm that's a good question um i sorry just uh i mean just nice nice people people being nice is nice Mm. Um, I, I cut out all fake friends and toxic relations. No, but I, I just think, you know, a level of, of, de- I guess everyone likes nice people, don't they? But, you know, people who, there are some people I'm kind of like, uh, your behavior is just, you've done this too many times. I just don't yeah. want to hang out with you too much more. Yeah. Because you're, um, very self-centered or you're working through some stuff and you're putting that on other people and that's not really fair. So, um... Yeah, I, I suppose the same as the people I'm attracted to, people who yeah. are chill and have a good sense of perspective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you could pinpoint a moment in your life that had the greatest impact on you, what do you think that would be? Let's mm. pinpoint a moment. What's yours? Mine was uh, quite a quite a bad moment, but it was... My brother um, had a lot of mental health issues and, mm. and um, was taking a lot of drugs and and I remember a point where he pushed over my mum. Oh god! Would be would be the moment where you know I was at school and everything. And I just remember him being violent for the first time. Yes, and it it, it got so much worse after that. Mm. But I just remember that was the moment that I felt angry for the first time, mm. and I've never felt angry. I've never really felt anger. Right. Like, it's just not something in my yes. thing. It's just not my world, anger. Yes. And so that was the moment where I was just like, fuck. Like, that was probably my moment that I just went, I don't want to be that person mm. that gets angry. Mm. And I stopped myself, but there was a bit of a punch on. Yeah. You know, and it's the only time I've ever been physical with someone. And I think that was, you know, a response to something, obviously. Mm. But that was probably the moment, the less, I guess heavy moment of that was um i think and it, it goes into the when are you happiest because mm. i love swimming yep it's i remember the first time i was in a swimming pool in melbourne mm. when it was raining mm. and it was the most beautiful moment because you know no one can an contact outdoor you pool. an outdoor pool yeah, yeah. sorry yeah <laughs> not just listening to rain um <laughs> an outdoor pool when it's raining yeah. you just kind of go oh this is 100 percent peace wow that's so interesting yeah because you, you, no one can contact you yeah you're by yourself, you've got an hour there, and it's just raining and no one else was in the pool. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just the pool to yourself. Just the pool to yourself, raining. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a moment, do you think, that you could? 
I think there's something fucked up about that. But no, that's a, a very sweet okay. that you find peace and solace. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at my happiest when there's no other people around. Yeah. I think in terms like moments that are really big in my sense of self would be in that first produ- the amateur production. I remember playing this role um, and Blitzen's thing, this reindeer, was that he was so dumb that whenever anyone said Blitzen, he'd say, Blitzen, who's that? He was so dumb he didn't even know who he was. That was like a punchline. Happened, got a few laughs throughout the show. Then there was one scene in which I was a in a pram. The pram was on stage. I was hidden. I was dressed as a little baby. I can't remember why. But someone said, Blitzen, and then I pop out of that pram and say, Blitzen, who's that? And in my memory, there is... Is that why you always start your, all your stand-up shows like that now? <laughs> Dressed as a baby. <laughs> and someone has to call out, where is Blitzen? Yeah, that's my thing. I've got merch. It's crazy. But in my memory, that I did that and this wave of laughter like rolled down the aisles of the theatre yeah. and just hit me in the face. And I, it was unlike anything I'd ever felt before. So to me, that just that moment is... is and I'm sure I put a whole lot of spin on that ball yeah. in, 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 in hindsight. But... That just is just sort of in my head as a very big thing. Yeah. And then probably the other thing is like the extended moments of the year I came out to my parents and my friends and stuff. And just that, that was the end of year 12 as well. So, you know, big coming of age moment. But yeah. the, this real turning point of this thing that I'd been obsessed about and worried about for a very long time. And just this um, affirmation from all these people in my life that they liked me. For who I was, and they yep. weren't. They didn't care about this secret that I had. So, yep. those were pretty big, big ones. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's the hardest thing you've been through, and did it change you? <laughs> I mean, we don't have time now, but <laughs> uh, a few, few hard things. Well, actually, yeah. The first one, biggest one, was uh, the biggest sort of first controversy was in 2012 i made a holocaust joke on the radio that was a very dumb joke that wasn't funny that was stupid and caused a lot of offense um people wrote articles about how it was atrocious people offered me free tours of the city jewish museum wow yeah um you know it was both a stupid joke that i should have made on breakfast radio off the top of my head when i was just de- desperate to try and make something funny mm. The, re- the reaction was ridiculous and insane, and I did have a little bit of, like, it was just a joke. Yeah. I know that the Holocaust was bad. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, that was sort of the first kind of, like, this just a huge deluge of people telling me how much they hated me and how I wasn't good. Uh, in 2008, I, 2018, I was publicly accused of sexual assault. I was me too'd, and that was very bad. I did not do that. I don't know how else to express that other than, than that's that was my point of view. And that was extremely dark and difficult, yes. And yeah. I felt terrible for the person involved. I it was there were some brutal reactions from mutual friends. Um, I've never been through anything like that before. There was some serious sort of yeah, mental health problems. And that was, you know, that was a fucking insane time culturally and mm. everyone was going through a lot of shit. And you know, across comedy I think there was, you know, some very both some real, serious, very, very understandable hurt and then also a lot of toxic behaviour to that. And I think that, yes, none of us have really reckoned completely with with that time. Yep. Um, yes, but obviously that's a big thing that looms in, the, in my back. And actually recently I've just started repairing a few relationships with people around that time. That's quite nice. Yeah. It feels quite adult. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when When you go through either of those experiences... What is there like a vice you turn to? Do you do you drink more? Do you or do you try and <laughs> you do try and I drank and smoked. Yep, yep. And I think did some drugs maybe. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. Um. Yeah. And I think I ate like shit as well. Yeah. Just all the vices. How do you pull yourself through in the end? Like, do you talk to people? Do you have people that you go and see? Yeah, that's friends. Friends that oh, I, I I had to see a psychologist at that point. Yes, yeah. for sure. Um. Uh, yes, and professional help is so good, and everyone, even if you think you're fine, yeah, you're not. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go get some professional help. No, yeah. I I know it's really hard, and the government has just made it harder for people to get the mental health care they need, which is fucking insane. But um, yes, never be ashamed of reaching out for professional help. Yes, um, and all and also for help from people in your in your personal life. Yeah, the thing that got me through that was. Love and support from from friends and family for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I like to end the podcast by asking the same question I do at the start. Do you think that nature or nurture had the greatest impact on you? Has that <laughs> changed after all of that? 
I mean, what do people mean by nature? They mean like just when you were, when you were born and you're no matter genetics. what happens, your destiny. Yeah, genetics. Yeah. You're supposed to do that. Yeah, I mean, I it's very hard for me to yeah imagine that the the things that really matter in a person and who they are personality wise and their outlook and their approach to other people. Uh, I don't understand how that could be hardwired. Yeah people's brains i also don't know enough about it i'm sure there are some mental health conditions that are genetic and that that's mm. true right like yeah, some yeah, people yeah. have a history of mental illness like that predisposition yeah. stuff yeah 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 god that's fucking brutal yeah um uh yes but overwhelmingly i think um understanding where people have come from and what they've been through mm. is a very good step to hopefully having a more generous approach for other people and yep. trying to understand where, where people are coming from. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Tom Ballard, where do people find you? You're Tom C. Ballard on Instagram and Twitter.com, I believe. Twitter.com. Twitter.com. How do people find anything else that you do of you? I mean, you've got a new book out. You've got you've got things happening. Yes, then go to tomballard.com.au. I post stuff there. Um, I have a podcast called Serious Danger with Emerald Moon, which is about Greens politics in Australia. Uh, and comedy.com.au has got all my tour dates for 2023. Yeah, great. Tom Ballard, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thanks, Sammy. Thank you for listening to Nature or Nurture for this week. My name is Sammy Peterson and you can follow me, sampeterson91 on Instagram. I also have a comedy podcast called Confessions. You can find that. The handles are Confessions, the podcast on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook. You can also just search it on your regular podcast apps. Please do rate this podcast. Uh, I would love that. It helps get the podcast out there to so many people. Thank you to the wonderful Michelle Laurie and Matthew Tankard. They're, they're great producers and I couldn't do this without them. Please do share this podcast around. I'd love to get it out there to as many people as possible. So please do share it with a friend and tell the person that you just heard on this podcast that you really enjoyed hearing their chat. Thank you so much. Hope you have a good week and I will talk to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.